good. I mean, to be honest with you, today's been a rough day, but I'm happy to be here. <gasps> Wait, all of we're 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 ending Genesis now? Okay, yeah, that's it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a big responsibility, but I got it. Okay, yeah. Okay, call me back later. We're finishing Genesis today. We're doing Joseph and his voyage in Egypt. Where did he go? Oh, girl. Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories. I am being really ambitious. <laughs> really ambitious. Hi, everybody. I'm Wheezy. Welcome to Bible Stories with Bree. Did she tell you she's the best podcaster ever? Oh, gosh. I love you. And you're only saying that because I am having a crappy day. But everyone oh, in these comments, we need to tell you how much. Tell not you. Sorry. You, literally, Brianda. We need to tell her how hot she is. Everyone tell me I'm pretty. Don't tell me I'm funny. It makes me feel ugly. Even though she's wearing her grandmother's pearls. <laughs> I really, you guys, can I be honest with you? I'm not a fan of this look, but if today felt like one of those days where like, you know what? You gotta, you gotta get to work. You gotta put on a face and show up. And today is one of those days. You look great, hon. Well, thank you, baby. Now, a few people uh, sent some questions in. Oh, yes, yes, yes. To the yes. podcast. And I really thought some of them were super silly. Like, if Bible with Brianda could be a food, what type would it be? That was a dumb effing question. But I like that question. A cough I drop. <laughs> a cough drop. Quick, refreshing. Yep. Well, cure your sore soul. Well, whoever that was, I think it was dumb. <laughs> now, I think a great, great question that's on here is what are your general thoughts? unorganized religion um i think that when when it's done honestly and when christ is the north star of said organization in a real way i think it's great but what if it's not christ if it's not then i don't no, i, mean, I don't like, condone it no, no, no. Like if it's an, if it's Islam, if it's, I Judaism. love, listen, not love. I love, like I have such a respect for religious institutions when done, uh, honestly, but they can't all have Christ. Oh, I say that as a Christian, that's okay. my truth claim. Everyone else has a different truth claim that I respect because I'm a human and I, I live with a bunch of people with different backgrounds, but how do I feel about organized religion as a whole? I genuinely like Brianda today. I don't mind it when it's done well. And when the wh whatever, whatever their moral landscape is, so long as there are no uh, um, uh, violent um, violence against women and children, yeah. any institution that stands by those things, I obviously condemn. But I really don't. I, I don't know. I, if, it feels like a if uh, organized religion uh, institution is operating from a place of whatever their faith is, whatever that looks like to them in an honest way that doesn't harm women or children or people. I'm for it. It's like the best fraternity or sorority. Like that's awesome to, ha to have a network of people where you guys share the same spiritual moral, uh, um, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like that uh, spine, like that's cool to me. You know, there's some interesting things I've read about, um, particularly the difference between a cult and a religion. What's the difference? I think at the point in time when I read it, it's just that a cult hadn't been around for long and didn't have as many followers yet. Uh, let me look into it. Tell a lot me. of people tell me like, or when people are being mean to me online, they'll be like, when they're not saying like, have fun reading your fairy tale book, they'll be like, you're in a cult. Cult is a new religious movement and religion is a formal organized body who meets uh, various criteria. 
belief in some kind of supreme being or principle. Now, without being weird about talking about cults, um, let's get to a fun question, Haney. Give me. It says, how did you guys come up with this idea? I love this city girl Bible stories version. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, can I, wait, I, I do believe that I, I would like to say I'm the Carisha. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened. So this is, let's get way, way, way in the beginning. Like some people don't even know this, but you and I were hanging out heavy last summer, uh-huh. like the summer of the pandemic. Oof. And I remember we had just found out about your show on Fuse, which by the way, when does it come out? June 7th, Monday. Dude, first of all, major congratulations to Weezy. Oh, forget her show. Look at me, y'all. I got a show coming out on Fuse. Okay, it's called Sex Sells, and it's about the entrepreneurs that make money from sex without having it. And it's June 7th, 11 p.m. on Fuse Network. Okay, thank you for now that. Now back to the podcast that we're doing for you. <laughs> <laughs> you already have more clout than me. Okay, um, well, you, you had just gotten that show, and I was so excited for you. But there was also, you had other projects. I mean, anyone who knows you knows that you have multiple things on the stovetop at a time always and you had another project and it was about like being like drunk or or something like that i forget what it was yeah ducked up and i remember you know i'm a psychedelic christian so i was like oh my god what wouldn't it be so cool if i like if we were like on mushrooms and i told you bible stories or something and then you literally went like this wait why don't you come on horrible and talk about Bible sex stories in the Bible? And you literally went like this. Let me text Mandy right now. And you like, <laughs> she literally texted Mandy right then and there. And I was, Oh, here down. Okay. My bad. <laughs> and I was so like nervous. I had never been on a platform that big, but anywho, we, I go on the show on a horrible decisions last year and I swear to you, I was just telling the stories like I talk, talk about them with my friends. Like, mm-hmm. and I, you, you are in the room on the mic. You were, I don't know. You liked my storytelling. I don't know. You, I just, this like, is where you can take it away. So anyone that knows me knows my brain works faster than my mouth. And I was just looking at Brianda and it's funny cause I watched it back the other day and I was like looking at you talking, my head's going like this. And I was like, I have to make you a podcast. I have to produce it. I have to make it. And Brianda looked at me and she was like, okay. And I, at this point in time, had no idea that Alex and I would be even owning our own studio. And I still, right. I didn't. And I still was like, no, I need to have, I need to make it like one. I love money Two, (laughs) I love Brianda. And like, I know how hard it is to get something off the ground without help. And by off the ground, I mean, anyone can start a podcast, but I felt like everyone needed to hear it. And in the moment when you're having a good pod, you know, when you're potting and it's good, you know, when it's good. And I felt that in your episode and I was like, oh, I have to make this a real thing because you have always told me about the Bible in a fun way and little stories or say little things that have interested me. And most people bore me or they get on my nerves about it and we don't want to hear the shit and, or we feel like it's too preachy. Yeah. And so, yeah. And it's funny because Brianda and I had had some conversation and people had wrote her and told her like, Oh, never going to happen. Or like, you better hurry up. Oh yeah. They didn't believe you. They were like, you better hurry up and get it done. But I do what the, I say I'm going to do. She sure does. Every time. I really do. Like I, to me, that's the only thing I have is my word. And if I can't give you that, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Weezy, can I be honest with you? Like, this has been the most exciting without, and you know, I'm emotional, whatever. I don't want to cry. And I'm not gonna, because of my makeup. Uh, if it was one thing, I am vain. <laughs> but like, I, 
I've been like acting for like what eight years, nine years, and I've received nothing but no's. And like, finally, I got so- someone to say yes, and that was so cool, you know. Aww. So, um, <laughs> and wait, and the thing is, and one of the questions was too. We're gonna get to the story. I swear, was like, how, is this like your purpose? I had no idea that this would be viable for me. I didn't know. I, to be honest with you, the first couple of weeks of doing the show, I was even doubtful. Like I shouldn't be the one. I shouldn't be doing this, Priyanda. Like you're still a babe in the faith. You shouldn't be. This is just you what know do what I'm you saying. Mean, alliteration. Look at Bible stories with. No, Priyanda. I know it really does. It really. And can I tell you something? <laughs> I cannot believe that I. It, this opportunity literally fell on my lap. It wasn't something that I asked for. It wasn't something that I prayed for particularly. But the more I do it, the more I know. Oh, no my whole career now is going to revolve around this. Yeah. And it's so much bigger than me. And it's so much bigger than me wanting to be famous and fabulous. Mm-hmm. But also it's a fun time. Like, cause I won't do anything that I don't think is fun. I won't do anything that I don't enjoy. And it turns out this checks off every single thing and it makes it even more sweet. Yeah. Like, and I get to do it with someone that I respect. You, I journaled about you in 2018 before I, I even met that. you. You that guys- is- she showed me this, you guys. It was a freaking journal that said horrible decisions to come on and do our show, which is nuts to me. Yeah, dude. I and I had this was before I had ever met Wheezy. This was before the seminar. So I don't know, man. There's just some things that I'm saying and putting into paper that are coming true. And now I really want to be careful about what I say. You know what I'm saying? God make me a millionaire. God make me a millionaire. Well, God wait, make me. Wheezy, I have a question for you. You've acquired so much success in the podcasting realm and now TV and stuff. Do you've you've manifested this for yourself. I typically don't say that word, but that's what it is. Do you ever get worried about manifesting negative things? Yes. Um, for sure. I, my brain spirals a lot when I'm depressed, um, which I get often, but when I'm upset, like it's like it tumbles kind of like how my good ideas flow, Mm. my bad ideas flow the same way. So even with Bible stories with Brie, I remember I was thinking like, oh, we're going to do it like this and we get it. I can be on the side and I can be like the devil on your shoulder and and we're talking about that. And when it's a bad idea, it spirals the same way. So you definitely feed those thoughts. Like, Mm. I think that's something we do. And interestingly enough, you're not feeling so good about yourself today. And someone said, tips to boost self-confidence. Why don't we try to say one nice thing about ourselves? Oh, that's a good one. Okay, that was a good question. Whoever said that I really need it today. So look what you did. Tips to boost your self-confidence. I will tell you guys this. Tell yourself what you want to feel and hear. So Hmm. I'll give it to me today. Yeah, give yourself one. You are so cute without your braids. Your hair is healthy. You look beautiful. It's growing. It's adorable. Men will still bang you. (laughs) Oh, my God. Your turn. Um, Okay, so mine's a little less uh, on the individual because I know that I don't really put trust in myself because I get so low all the time. Mm -hmm. But I've I've kind of like Jimmy rigged away to – uh, spoon feed confidence to me when I need it most, like right now, you know? And I, uh, put aside how I may be feeling about myself Uh for a minute. And I try really, really hard to focus on how God sees me. And even now it kind of like, it kind of works. It's like, 
this is the one being that will love you unconditionally for real like you could say your parents love you unconditionally but listen i've disappointed my mom a lot Mm-hmm. And parents get disappointed in their children. You know, there are things that, but God loves you unconditionally. I think I would have a second to that. Your dog. A dog can love you. Hey now. Okay. I love, okay. Understood. Understood. But if you don't feed them, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. There are a lot of people that aren't feeding God or paying him much mind okay, and disrespecting fair. him. Yeah. And he still loves us anyway. And the way he views you holds so much more value, more weight. So my confidence and my strength not only comes from my relationship with God through Christ, it is Christ. So that's, that's me. That's me. And I I already, even in just saying it out loud, I feel a little better. So thank you, Wheezy. Um, I think we're good on questions because this episode, Wheezy, is going to be all about Jacob's son, Joseph, and his stint in Egypt. Uh, it's also the end of the book of Genesis. You guys, we're now at what, episode 10 of Bible Stories. And we, by the end of this episode, you will have basically completed two books in the Bible. Like, what? You guys are major. Like, that's, that's too How many more- is there? Uh, 66. How many are there? Is so there? How many are there? 66. Got it. But Catholics have Catholics See? have something. Oh Lord. Okay. <laughs> Catholics have uh seventy-five, I believe, because they they have a different canon that goes in between the old and the new testament. I'm not too sure if like anyone if anyone who's Catholic in the um in the comments wanna like inform my comment YouTube community. You know, I love I'm always in the comments on YouTube. Please comment, like, and subscribe. Um, but they have something called the Deuteronomical some blah, 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 blah. Deuteronomy. Um, hey, Deuteronomy is another book uh, that Moses wrote. But um, speaking of Moses and speaking of Genesis, I want to give a brief review. So from episodes one through nine, we have basically touched upon the three major Hebrew patriarchs. We had Abraham, we have his son Isaac, and then we have Jacob, and then his name was changed to Israel. And um it, I wanted to conclude a Genesis in such a way that kind of puts a button on, um, on the beginning, which is what Genesis literally means. Um, and oh gosh, I'm like losing my brain here. Um, I don't even know where that accent came from. I'm from Boston. <laughs> um, wait, let me look at my notes. Sorry guys. And also no, l- listen, this is how bad of a day I'm having. My printer didn't work today. So now I'm like my notes, you guys know how important my notes are. I have to use my phone and I hate using my phone. Um, oh, this is what I wanted to say. Um, from the last episode, we left off with Jacob and his children. So we know that he had 12 kids, including Dinah, who was, uh, his sole daughter. Uh, but what we don't know about is that, um, aside from Joseph being Jacob's favorite wife's first son, Rachel. Rachel actually gave birth to a second son, Benjamin. Who So Benjamin is younger than Joseph. And Rachel died in childbirth. Oof. I know, so sad. Um, uh, and and everyone was so depressed. It's so funny because the, the patriarchs are all buried around the same uh, area, burial ground. I think we talked about it a little bit with Abraham and Sarah after Sarah died. But Rachel, her she's actually set apart that's how special Rachel was. But anywho, after Rachel dies in childbirth, we've got now uh, uh, Jacob is, you know, raising his family with his other, you know, with his other women. Leah's still around too. Leah dies a little bit later. We can talk about that later in the episode. But 
It's also super important when breaking down who Joseph was is to know that Joseph was Jacob's favorite, was Jacob's favorite son. And it can be proven within the text. Let me grab the scripture. So this is found in Genesis 37 verses three to four. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he had made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And I want to break this down a little bit. Everyone knows the story of Joseph. Uh, Joseph and the Technicolor dream coach is what everyone talks about in pop in biblical popular culture. But what people don't know, and I hate to burst your bubble, but the actual Hebrew word did not. Re there are historians that say that it didn't mean colorful. It just meant really long and formal, long at the sleeves and just long in length. But um, there's still, you know, uh, pastors and preachers who preach the multicolored thing and they derive a lot of, you know, um, interpretations from the colors. And I think that's kind of cool, but a large portion of historians say that it had nothing to do with color. Regardless, Jacob gave it to Joseph and his brothers were so jealous and mad. Like he even made Joseph in charge of all the flock, which normally, which normally went towards all of the, uh, like an older brother or something, but no, it went to Joseph. Another reason why his brothers absolutely hated Joseph was because every single time the brothers or, you know, the concubines, like the other, the other wives would do something naughty or do something that was like uncouth around the, around the area, Joseph would tattletale. He was a snitch. So he would go off and snitch uh, and tell Jacob. So that's another reason why Jacob loved him. And it's another reason why the brothers hated him. But now we are going to talk about one of many dreams told in this episode. Joseph's first dream. And it was really when God was speaking to him. And it was when he was 17 years old. Let's go to scripture. Genesis 37 verses 5 to 6. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves. Sheaves is just like a bundle of grains. Uh, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. That's what Joseph told his brothers. Joseph told his brothers, hey, guys, I have this dream that your sheath were bowing down to my sheath. I'm sorry. We already don't like you. Why are, you know, put more gas on it? And not only that, he has a second dream. Scripture, Genesis 37, 9. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now he's saying that not only were his brothers bowing down to him, but so was Jacob and his parent and his mother and his mother and his or Leah. That's insane. Even Jacob had some resistance towards that. Jacob was like, wait, I was bowing down to you. And Joseph was like, yeah, that's what my dream said. You know what I'm saying? And we later find out uh, within uh, towards the end of Genesis that this wasn't just any dream. 
This was God communicating to Joseph like a prophecy almost, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Now, the brothers are in a jealous rage. Not only did he get the fancy coat, now he's having dreams saying that he's better than the brothers. So then the brothers come up with a plan. They see Joseph off in the distance calling for them. Just some random day, Joseph was looking for his brothers. And then one of the brothers is like, you know what? He's got to go. Let's kill him. And Reuben, the eldest, Leah's first son, Reuben goes, hold on, wait, what? You guys, what are we talking about? We're not about to kill this guy. Yeah, he's annoying. Yeah, he's a goody two-shoes. Let's just throw him in a ditch somewhere. So the brothers are like, all right, bet. So once Joseph comes and approaches them, they grab Joseph, they rip the, the coat off of him, the robe off of him, and they throw him in the ditch. And then Reuben goes off, and then the other brothers are, are like conspiring. They're literally thinking about killing him. And instead of killing him, what they do is they throw blood, lamb's blood, all over the robe to send back to Jacob so that they think he died. But they take Joseph and they sell him off to some uh, Egyptian merchants that were trolleying past the area. And they sell Joseph off for like 20, 12, 20 silvers, 20 whatever they're... Uh, their um, monies were 20 of them. Um, that sounded so silly, but that's what it was. And also I'm not a pastor. They sell their little brother. And then Reuben comes back and Reuben goes to the ditch and is like, yo, where'd Joseph go? The brothers are like, we sold him. Yo, trifling, a trifling mess. This family, yo, the Bible is like a telenovela. But I also wanted to note that in the Bible stories, they add, like they splice in these stories that seem like non sequiturs, like almost like interruptions within a larger story. Uh, I like to call them like commercial breaks because because um, I like to call them like commercial breaks because they have nothing to do with the main storyline. But the stories are spicy. OK, so we're going to put a pin on Joseph right quick. We're leaving him off with he just got sold to Egyptians. OK. And uh, now is the commercial break. We're going to talk a little bit about Judah, and I'm going to try and keep this short. And the Black Messiah? No, great movie. Ooh, shout out to my girl Dom, Dominique Fishback. Went to college with her. Love that girl. She was just casted as uh, in the Transformers movie. Like, I, what? I can't believe I know this person. <laughs> I should most, she's the most famous person I know. People I are going to not be able to believe that they knew you. They're going to be like, I was watching Bible stories with Bree when they see you on a billboard one day. Oh, yeah. I'm popping on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind that, though. I don't care about that. I love YouTube. I'm a YouTube kid. Anyways, so um, uh, we're going to talk about Judah and Tamar, which is a very sexy, spicy story. Rrr. And we find out that the reason behind it, it's not just some random story spliced between the story of Joseph. The story of Judah and Tamar is far more important because it breaks down the genealogy to Jesus. Uh, fast forward in the book of Matthew, they also talk about the Judah and Tamar story. Oh, gosh, I wish we were all together so we could discuss it at more length. But uh, so Judah was one of Jacob's uh, 12 kids. And um, he, Judah at this point has three children and the children's name are Ur, 
Onan and uh, what? I got it right here. Oh, and Shella. Shella was the youngest. And Judah, Judah had a wife and got her pregnant. Obviously, those were the three kids. And he found a wife for Er. Er. Er, Er. I don't know how you want to say it. Er, Er. And, you know, in the story, in the descendants of Abraham, it's very important who they marry. And he found someone, and this person's name was Tamar. Now, here's the thing about Er, is that he was evil. And the Bible doesn't expand on that. But because of his hard heart, God gets rid of him and he dies. And Judah then tells Tamar, because he promised Tamar a son, you can have my next son, Onan. And this is where, Wheezy, I know you're going to pop in here. <laughs> I just know. Okay. So it is customary in ancient times that if the, one of the sons dies, the next son marries the widow. That is something that is like super common. It sounds wild, crazy here, right. but we got to judge from the context so of the Jesus times. Jesus and Joe Biden's son. Um, back to the story. <laughs> so the next son, Onan, he is now in charge of impregnating. Onan, yeah. what's my name? That's Onan, my girl. Onan, what's my name? Okay, listen. So, Onan, <laughs> you guys I, this story is so long. I'm like, no, we got to get to it. Because it's not even the main story. It's like the intermission She's story. like, hey, Weez, I really want to see if you can shut the hell. Oh. Don't make me call daddy. Sorry. Okay. Call him daddy. Call him daddy. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. So blasphemous. Oh, TikTok loves calling me blasphemous, by the way. Sorry, TikTok. Ooh, you're a bad girl. Oh, I hate it. Maybe one day. Could you imagine next year I show up in, like, knee-length skirts, no earrings, no makeup? I've changed. <gasps> ah! Well, oh. guess what, y'all? You can take this pod right on over to PBS. Because <laughs> new. <laughs> They need me looking like a cuero here at WTF Media, okay? <laughs> um, so Onan is in charge of impregnating Tamar. But guess what? The son that he would have would not be his own. It would be his eldest brother's. And he was not feeling that. He was like, you're saying that my seed is not even going to be my son? Uh-uh. So guess what? While he has sex with Tamar, he does not ejaculate in her. He does the pull-out method. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. How did I know she was going to? So I'm assuming they ain't had Trojans yet. No. Back honey. in, like, Bible time. No. But let it me... says in the Bible he didn't come. Yeah, dude, let me get the scripture. Genesis 38, 9. Uh, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from providing offspring for his brother. Oh! She could have had it in her mouth or something. Where is it? I'm so oh sorry. Oh my gosh, censor that, Alex. Anyways, so now he goes, so now Judah goes, okay, listen. Oh, by the way, because he did that, God gets rid of him too. Because that is a act of disrespect. God gets rid of him too. So then now Tamar's a widow twice. And Judah goes, okay, listen, Tamar, my, other, my youngest son is a little too young. If you can be a widow until he gets older, then he's yours. Oof. And mm. this is when the story gets spicy. Because right around this same time, Judah's wife died as well. So he was, in, he was in a state of grief and he was grieving. And guess what? Tamar uh, uh, disguises herself. She takes her, gr her grieving uh, outfits off. Because in ancient times, if you were grieving, you'd wear something like, uh, just like, you know, uh, someone who's grieving. They wear a certain garb. 
So she takes that off and change, changes into, let me say that one more time. Tamar changes into her freakum dress, okay? And she puts something, a veil over her head that covers her face. Tamar then approaches Judah and seduces him. And then Judah goes, come on, come on, sleep with me. And Tamar, put, with the veil over her face, because he doesn't know that it's Tamar, he goes, she goes, okay, but what's in it for me? I need collateral. And he goes, oh, I'll give you a goat. I'll give you my special staff. And he gives her all this stuff that definitely came from Judah, right? And then they have sex. Oh, I love Judah. This yeah, this is the Bible, guys. Judah has sex with his, <laughs> listen, what would have been his daughter-in-law. <laughs> this, this is the Bible, guys. This is the Bible. And guess what? He thinks he's sleeping with a prostitute and he has no idea. It turns out that a few months later, three to be exact, one of Judah's uh, employees comes up to him and goes, oh my gosh, Tamar is pregnant. Pregnant. She she's pregnant. And she did not listen to what you said about staying a widow until his youngest son. Okay, this ain't the girl who had it spill out. This is her. This is her. But listen, y'all got to watch out for pre stuff yes exactly but here's the thing no that wasn't him he she got pregnant from actual semen in, in inside the vagine gene this is the father though so she had sex with the two sons and also the father is what i'm saying what's her name again tamar braxton no i'm kidding I, you know what <laughs> is she a hittite oh my gosh no she wasn't that's why he wanted that's why judah wanted him to 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 oh. be a part of the family well one it who, takes one to know one yes she was listen the story's not even done wheezy so then she jacob goes up to her and he's like you're pregnant i told you to wait for my son and she goes oh yeah what's this staff i got here this baby's yo's and he goes, what? He thought that he was having sex with a prostitute back then. He had no idea he was having sex with his daughter-in-law. Mm. Oh, child. Anyways, th that's Jerry. Sorry. Jerry. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, Jesus, Jesus. Mm. <laughs> it's literally, it's like on some Maury Povich said, seriously. Oh my God. Mute that. Censor. Censor. Um, uh, anywho, uh, we find, we later find out that Tamar ends up having twins. Judah's kids and the twins are uh, Perez and Zera, Zera. And the reason why this is important, we find out later in the book of Matthew, Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter one, verse three, the reason why they spliced this story in there is because Jesus came from the line of Judah. So a lot of times when people read this and they're not reading it for like any kind of theological or spiritual guidance, they'll be like, why would they put that story in there? Laws of hermeneutics. If you're confused about something, it will be answered somewhere else in the Bible. The Bible as a book is actually a library. One thing from one verse in one chapter will be answered somewhere else in the text. But in any case, now we're going to dive back into our regularly scheduled program. Joseph. So the last we left off with Joseph was his brothers sold him off to some Egyptian merchants. They were on their way to Egypt. Those merchants end up selling him to a man named Potiphar. Oh, uh, I don't like that name. Oh, it gets good, girl. Potiphar was a eunuch for, um, you know, the Egyptian pharaoh. Does that mean you don't have a penis? Uh, balls. Okay. 
Like they're castrated. Like that guy from Game of Thrones. He was a eunuch. That's how I knew about uni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Potiphar. Well, honey, the reason why I bring up the fact that he was a eunuch is because <laughs> the story gets spicy and it involves his wife. But before we get there, Potiphar and Joseph end up having a really great relationship. Uh, as you can see throughout uh, these next few chapters in Genesis, everyone loved Joseph because he was hardworking. He was competent. He was wise. He really was the ish. And he was attractive. He was very sexy. In the Bible, they never really talk about the attractive level of men. They typically they talk about women in the track, but they never they rarely do it with men. Mm. Misogyny and, in the Bible. I mean, it's everywhere. But um it, Genesis 39, uh, uh verses six through seven. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. You guys, Potiphar's wife wants to sleep with Joseph. I mean, could you imagine though? I mean, her husband, Potiphar, was a eunuch. Well, I don't know. It kind of makes sense. You know that his testosterone levels are really low. She was probably a horny older woman. She saw this young guy. You know, Joseph, when Joseph got to Egypt, he was 17. Criminal, but not in ancient times. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, so she seduces Joseph. And mm. Joseph is not having it. What a harlot. A harlot. Un cuero. Una oh. putita. Oh, oh my gosh. Blasphemy. Wow, I'm being strike me. Oh my God, don't strike me. I'm kidding. Anywho, so <laughs> Joseph denies her advances. And he goes, what? Why would you do? No, your husband has been so generous with me, has allowed me in his home, has given me so much. I'm not sleeping with you, woman. Like, no. Potiphar's wife is humiliated. And you know what a humiliated woman will do sometimes? It's happened in the past. It happened with Sarah. It happened with Hagar. What do they do? They lie. So you know what Potiphar's wife did? He goes to Potiphar and tells him, hey, that Hebrew boy you just brought in, he tried to have sex with me. He tried to rape me and I screamed for help and no one came. You guys, she just lied on our boy Joseph and Potiphar is fuming. Mind you, this is a little tidbit of information. Potiphar was a chief ex executioner for the Pharaoh in Egypt. So if you piss off the chief executioner, whew, one should be scared. But you want to know something? Potiphar, though he's pissed and he knows he has to do something about this, he doesn't kill Joseph. He spares him, but he throws him in prison. And Joseph ends up spending years in this prison. I mean, could you imagine at this point? Let's just take a breather. Grab your water. Grab your snacks, guys. Let's run down review of what we just covered. Joseph was just betrayed and sold by his brothers, thrown in a ditch, tossed around, sold to merchants, then later sold to Potiphar, then thrown in prison. And guess what? Throughout this whole time, he was still heavy in his faith and still communicating with the Lord the whole time. There's a little tidbit of information there. Now, the next portion of the story, we're going to talk briefly about Joseph's time in prison. 
And in prison, Joseph is popping. Because if you pop in one place, you popping everywhere. And there are two people that enter the, the, the prison uh, that, that are in there that he meets, a cupbearer and a baker. And in the, the prison, these two inmates, for lack of a better word, have a dream. And they're having trouble uh, interpreting the dream, the dream. And Joseph vocalizes that he's actually really good at interpreting dreams. He, he does it all the time. He's been doing it since he was a teen, right? So Joseph goes, tell me what, tell me what the story is and I'll let you know what it is. So the cupbearer tells him, tells him his story and Joseph responds to him and says, oh, that means that you're going to be released in three days and you're going to be restored to your position in, in power. You're going to be fine. And then the baker goes, oh, snap, let me tell you my story. So the baker goes and tells him his story, his dream rather. And Joseph responds to him and he goes, ooh, sorry, brother. You, my friend, are going to die in three days. Sorry. And guess what? Three days pass and both of those things happen. The baker dies, ends up getting executed, and the cupbearer ends up being freed. But before the cupbearer leaves, the one thing that Joseph asks for, because the one thing that keeps Joseph from being like, you know, uh, doing pagan stuff or like psychic stuff or whatever, Joseph wasn't charging people for this. And Joseph knew that his ability to interpret dreams was a gift from God. It had nothing to do with him. It was a gift from him that he had to use responsibly. Anyways, the one thing he asks the cupbearer is, please don't forget about me. Once you're out there, could you please let them know that uh, I, I was not, I was unrightfully put in here. Please, uh, uh, if you wouldn't mind doing that, you know, and the cupbearer, you know, some people be like capping. They're like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. The cupbearer forgets all about Joseph. And Joseph ends up staying in prison for another two years. Ay, Dios mío. Virgen de Alta Gracia, este muchacho. I feel so badly for Joseph at this point in the Bible. Now, we're starting to pick up some speed here. The Pharaoh of Egypt starts having dreams himself later. And he's having, they, were, they involve a cow and seven cows and all this other stuff and then a skinny cow after. Oh, and he's having, siete. listen, siete, see. And he is having such difficulty. He's asking seers what these things mean. He's asking everyone what these things mean. And no one can answer, no one can give him a proper interpretation of what this Pharaoh, the Pharaoh, what his dreams mean. And then all of a sudden, remember that cupbearer we talked about from two years ago? Because two years ago he was, he was in that, in the cell with Joseph. The cupbearer goes to Pharaoh because he's in a high position of power and goes, oh, wait, there's this dude named Joseph in prison who's really good at interpreting dreams. <laughs> like a day late and a dollar short, brother. But anywho, the Pharaoh goes, the Pharaoh is so desperate. He goes, okay, go fetch me that Joseph kid in prison. He comes in and guess what? Joseph interprets the dream. Let's go to scripture. So Joseph shows up in front of Pharaoh. And tells him his, his interpretation of the dream once Pharaoh lets him know what it is. See scripture, Genesis 41, verse 28. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but the seven years of famine will follow them. 
Joseph tells the Pharaoh that Egypt is about to experience seven years of the worst kind of famine they've ever experienced before in their life. But before that, there's going to be seven years of abundance. So we better get the preparing. That is what his dream meant. And uh, I, I would probably go to chapter 41 if you want to read more in depth about what that means. But uh, a fast forward a couple years, Pharaoh ends up believing in Joseph's ability so much. He's such a competent man and such a bright man, uh, um, especially when dealing with the flock and with agriculture and all of this jazz and all that jazz. He, uh, Joseph ends up being second in command in Egypt. This is a man who went from prisoner to basically prince. I mean, this is insane. And he wasn't even an Egyptian. He was a Hebrew man. Talk about tapped. That man was touched. Okay? Tap, tap, tap in. Oh, sweetie. Oh, poor girl. Um, I mean, no, she's lovely. Now we're going to step out of Egypt real quick and go to where the brothers are. The, remember, remember uh, we left off with uh, uh, Joseph's brothers and his father, Jacob, back in Canaan. There's a huge famine happening in Canaan presently. They're all about to die if they don't figure something out. So Jacob says, listen, guys, y'all, you guys need to go to Egypt and get some food, get something for us to bring back. And Jacob says, but we're keeping Benjamin. Remember Benjamin, the little, the little brother? We're keeping Benjamin. Jacob is so, was so distraught over losing Joseph because for all he knows, Joseph is dead, remember? Benjamin stays behind, but the rest of the brothers go. They go off to Egypt. And guess who they approach when they go to Egypt to ask for food and money and stuff? None other than Joseph. Dun, dun, dun. I'm talking about 20 years later. Joseph is so flashy. They don't even recognize him. But Joseph recognizes his brothers. Could you imagine seeing this, the guys, the, the, your brothers that betrayed you? That now we're going to fight. We're okay. going to fight. Well, listen, he does not do that. <laughs> he does not. And you want to know his first concern is his youngest brother, Benjamin. Actually, so he mm. goes, uh, you, you're, you, how many brothers are you? And they go, you know, they'd let him know We're, there's one missing. There's one over there. And Joseph, without letting him know who he is, he's actually using an interpreter so they don't recognize his voice. Even jo jo Joseph commands them to bring back Benjamin and then maybe he can hook him up. And then he goes, but wait, I need to keep one of you here before I send you all off collateral damage. You know what I'm saying? That's what they did in ancient times. So they keep Simeon. So he, uh, Joseph keeps Simeon in, in Egypt. And then they go off back to Canaan. The brothers let Jacob know, listen, this dude in Egypt, mad flashy for no reason, wearing chains, mm. said that we need to bring Benjamin in order to make this, in order to, to get the food and the stuff. Anywho, Jacob does not, he's reluctant. He does not want to give up his son. But they have no choice. It's either this or death. And Jacob, I mean, known as Israel, one of the patriarchs, knows that we ain't got much. We ain't got a choice here. You know what I'm saying? Pride aside. So he sends Benjamin. They go back to Egypt. I'm going to try to speed this up. They go back to Egypt. He sees his brother. And Joseph finally gives up the act. He ends up, uh, uh, you know what he does? It's kind of nifty. Because he knows his brothers, he puts them in order by age before he lets them know who it is. 
And by the way, you guys know between, you know, the story with Rachel, Leah and the, the, the concubines, the slave woman that Jacob had kids with, they're all born relatively within the same age. And Joseph puts them each in line in order of who was born first. They were probably freaking out. Like, who is this wizard? Anywho, he lines them up and he lets them know. Hey, you guys, I'm just kidding. It's Joseph. What's up? And then he hugs Benjamin because he's so happy to see Benjamin. And anyways, the, the brothers kind of freak out. They're scared because then they're like, crap, this dude's about to kill us. And he doesn't. They end up uh, a little fast forward. They end up going back to Egypt to tell Jacob about the news. And Jacob's co Jacob comes back and Jacob wails. Could you imagine seeing your favorite son after 20 some odd years and he throws his arms around him? Oh, God, one of my favorite moments in the book. And it really breaks down forgiveness, too, because Jacob is so, pardon, Joseph is so fulfilled and happy to see his father and his and his brothers that there is no vengeance he knows that he is he was put on this earth on this planet for something so much bigger than whatever petty things that they have going on let's go to scripture genesis 45 verses uh four to five joseph says to his brothers i am your brother joseph the one you sold into egypt and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And lo and behold, the dream that Joseph had 20 years before manifested itself. Uh, one of the most epic stories of forgiveness happens right there. We are winding down, closing out the book of Genesis. We're around chapter 49 now. And after the reunion, they end up flourishing. They, the, the whole family ends up staying in Egypt even 10 years after the, the famine is over just because the family was flourishing in Egypt. And, uh, you know, Joseph has two kids. He gets married and then has two kids. And uh, during this time, it's also, there's gets word out that uh, Jacob gets sick and he's about to die. Oof, the last patriarch is about to die. And, you know, Joseph ends up wanting to, you know, bless his two children, which end up being really important. And they all, all the brothers line up, you know, Jacob's on his deathbed. And he talks to all of them about how the blessings are going to go. As we talked about in the Jacob and Esau episode, blessings are super important, especially with this, uh, the holy line, the, the descendants from Abraham. And listen, he tells Reuben, the eldest, it would have been you, dog, but... Oh, I didn't even talk about this, but Reuben ends up sleeping with one of his stepmoms is a whole mess. God was like, it ain't going to be you. Sorry, bro. And then with Simeon and Levi, remember what happened with Dinah when they got their glocks out and shot up that whole town for raping their sister? God didn't like that either. They killed way too many bodies. You know what I'm saying? So then they were like, sorry, it ain't going to be you too either. But Jacob looks at Judah. You know, the name Judah means praise. Um, and says, the blessing will go to you. Um, and, and, you know, Judah was, was far from perfect, okay? And we know this. We already know this. I'm talking about adultery, prostitution, sleeping with your daughter-in-law. But back then, those offenses weren't, uh, you know, didn't weigh as heavy as murder, you know, capital murder. Um, and after Jacob dies, believe it or not, the brothers 
are even more scared. They were so paranoid. That's what happens when you when you commit such sin and stuff. It kind of if it if it remains unchecked, it lives inside of you and it eats you up. If it's not addressed, if it's not if something isn't there to like wash that of you, it lives there somewhere. Um, I, I just a side note as a Christian for me, like I know that my ish has been washed through. Christ Jesus. And I know that's going to sound funny for people who are non-believers, but just so you guys know a little bit more about me. Um, so now the brothers are scared after Jacob dies. Scripture, Genesis 49, 22 to 25. Actually, scratch that. Genesis 50, uh, verse 20. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. This is what Joseph is telling his brothers. And every time I, I, I read that back, I always think back to like, I don't know, the way God views us. Or for me, when I think of Christ, I think of Christ as like the ultimate big brother, right? Like his, some historians say that there are hidden pieces of Christ, like 400 bits of Christ in the Old Testament. Again, I'm a Christian. Other people do not agree with that or believe that. But um, that's how I that's how I break, deduce that or break that scripture down. Like, do not be afraid. That fear isn't going to serve you. I'm telling you, like, put it on me. Like, that. that I know that's some kind of R&B song. But uh, Jesus basically wants us to put his, ugh, I sound like I'm preaching, let me stop. But anyway, that's what that scripture means. <laughs> now, yada, 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 Joseph ends up staying in Egypt. Joseph ends up dying in Egypt, okay? He ends up uh, b being buried there. Um, but he does tell his children and his uh, remaining brothers that no matter what, you have to promise me this. We're gonna go back to Canaan. We're getting out of Egypt, and this is super important because the next episode, this will all make more sense. But Joseph made a promise to Jacob, and it was that they would go back to the Holy Land. Their stint in Egypt was only temporary. Moral of the story is, I bet you think I'm going to do forgiveness, but I'm not. I wasn't in the mood. And also it's like low hanging fruit. You know what I'm saying? There are so many stories in the Bible about uh, forgiveness. And I think that they definitely do deserve their time. But when I was meditating on the recording for today, I felt something else in my heart. And the moral for this story, for this episode, I'm going to say is this. God is present in you. Now, I always say like God is omniscient. God is omnipotent. God is all knowing, right? God is overarchingly present. And that is true. But when I say present in you, I mean present in you and present for you in a very specific and tailor-made way to you. And God is also present in the enemy too. As far as the Holy Bible is concerned, Egypt was, wasn't really about God. They worshiped many gods. They were polytheists. They worshiped idols. They, they worshiped money. 
And even then, God gave Egypt a warning about the famine through Joseph. How merciful. And God is not only so present in you. If you keep coming back to this podcast, if you think this podcast is interesting, if you're curious about this podcast, or even if you, if you, I don't know, are here for the outfits or whatever, something, something inside of you is curious about what, ha what what's coming out of my mouth or something, right? Am I losing my mind? Unless this is your first episode, please listen to the other ones, please. We, there's a lot of effort that goes into this and it's a fun time. But even if you don't acknowledge it, God's present in you in a special way. The Lord never left Joseph's side as a prisoner for 13 years. Even though multiple other people's evil is what put Joseph in these precarious situations, his brother never killed him. Remember what I said about Potiphar being chief executioner? He didn't kill Joseph, though. Others saw Joseph's goodness, and he was always spared because he was protected by God. But if we look a little deeper, sometimes the most malevolent characters in our lives are ourselves. Sometimes we're both the prisoner and the prison guard, keeping us locked away because it's the most familiar thing we know. And when we are in our own spiritual prison, believing in God's presence is more useful than not. Everyone knows that I'm in love with Dolly Parton. And I remember hearing Dolly Parton one day saying that even if someone told me that God didn't exist, I would choose to believe in him anyways. That's kind of like that is what I'm saying. You know, even when everything around us suggests that we are doomed, God's presence makes it less crappy. And the story of Joseph in Egypt is the perfect example of what believing in God while in your own personal prison can do for you. And that goodness seeps into other people. Everyone wants a piece of the goodness. And God is good, baby. Hey, Father, I think it went well. Can you believe it? We're all done with Genesis. The next one is Exodus. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, maybe if I had a boyfriend, I would be a little. Sorry. Yep. Yep. You're right. <laughs> he loves you, by the way. See you next week. Yeah, I just want a boyfriend. Anyone. Someone to play with. <laughs>